Hey everyone, welcome back to Untold Stories from Below the Line. My name is Nathan. And my name is Maggie. We are past our 50 days of being in quarantine. Yeah, we are past 50 days of quarantine. Uh, I am at 54 and Nathan is at 55. We have Gina Ferguson with us and she is a fabulous editor-director. She's uh, constantly working. Yes, so busy. Constantly working. We're so happy to have you cleared your schedule for us. Yes. <laughs> um, do you want to introduce yourself, Gina, and tell us what you do? Yeah. Um, my name is Gina Ferguson, and I grew up in Oregon. Um, I still, my heart is still with the Pacific Northwest. I was hired on as an assistant editor at Snapchat, but luckily uh, they have booted me to the editor's chair. So that's been really exciting. And I'm currently with Snapchat's studio ops team. So we do a lot of internal projects, but every once in a while we do get to do that external outward facing content that you would see on the Snapchat platform. Yeah. So what was your first job in the industry, Gina? What what did you start out as? I mean, so the way that I made my way down to LA was I did a semester long program in LA. So I went to a tiny school in Oregon, did my last semester in LA, and I had an internship um, at a studio. I guess technically that is my first job. So I was hired on the place I was interning directly after I got out of school. I was hired on, I was only, I was a freelancer going in like 25 hours a week, um, assistant editing. Um, and that was actually kind of a lucky situation because yeah, wow. the company was doing really, really, really well. Then one, I would not have gotten the, uh, I wouldn't have been able to show that I have like editing chops first off. And second off, they probably, there's a very, there's a lower chance that they would have hired me on, but the company was kind of struggling and were kind of needing any help that they could get. And being right out of college, I was on the cheaper side of things. So I was very lucky to get hired on um, at that company. And then they ended up selling and laying everyone off. So there was definitely a good chunk of time where I was like desperately scrambling. I was doing free AFI gigs as often as I could, free USC gigs. Um, I texted the very few people that I knew that were in the industry and like, hey, love to, to buy you some coffee in exchange for some wisdom. And a good tip, I just want to say really quick, Somebody told me, save six months worth of living expenses, and then you can choose any gig that you want. I think that was like one of the biggest like pieces of advice for me, because I want that because there are like not healthy people in this industry. There are not are very, very unhealthy environments in this industry. And the, the financial freedom to be able to say, nope, I'd make the cleanest break possible, but I can't do this. Um, integrity. Yeah. That's a, a, like, I was very fortunate in order to get a, a job as an assistant editor at Framework, um, which I attribute to a lot of my growth as an assistant editor, um, mm-hmm. through one of these free USC gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But I will also have to caution that my rule for myself was that I was only going to do free gigs for my first year in LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that being my first experience when I came down to LA. That's how you make your connections. You work those free gigs. I mean, we talked about it with Jack in the other episode. They help you and they help your career. And I think there is like a certain time that where you like need to stop and then just like focus on your own stuff. Find that limit. Did you start off as like an editor or documentaries? Like how did that came to be? 
I think I'm attracted to authenticity. That's kind of a big pillar about who I am, uh, is very authentic. And I asked for a DSLR for one Christmas, and then it wasn't until I actually lost some loved ones in my life that those like videos of me just like filming my life became priceless. And so from that, like that was the moment that this is so much more. I do it because I see it's one of my favorite ways to bring people together. That's kind of the part that draws me to documentaries, kind of like the reason why I was attracted to film in the first place, you know, just documenting my life and then coming to find that that footage later became so much more valuable because it's just a mirror of what was once a reality. Right. It's how you started. Um, and it's a lot like what we were talking about earlier. Just finding authenticity in the industry is really hard. Um, and documentary is a great way to go. Mm-hmm. And it definitely, and I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily exclusive documentary, just like my right. flip floppiness right. between editing and production. I also, you know, there are times where I'm going to want to to make something along the lines of like Nacho Libre-esque, but then times yeah. where I'm going to want to make heartfelt documentary. I'm actually really excited about the possibilities. I feel like my personal career will be advancing within my actual job, which I is not always the case, which is super like right. crazy, crazy yeah. exciting, and I'm super thankful for. Speaking of editing, how does that help you as a creative or as a director? My philosophy as a filmmaker is I want to know as much as I possibly can about every single department. Because strangely enough, when I was in Oregon, everyone kind of had to experience a time where they had to be the one-man band, where they had to do everything themselves. So that everyone kind of had a basic understanding of what was going on in each department. When I came down to LA, I started working with people who, and of course, once you get to the top of the top, they are going to have like at least a general knowledge of how of each department. But when you start out, you're working with like C-level players, B-level players. You do have like that very intense specialization, but there's also a culture of like, that's not my job. That's my, not my job description. And so there was a lot of like, wow, people are making other people's jobs harder because they don't know what's going on at all in that department because they're so specialized. So my philosophy as a filmmaker is I, I just want to know at least the foundational aspects of each department I can intelligently communicate a direction Mm -hmm. if directing is something that you want to do. Um, But I think editing specifically is outside of it being my logistical breadwinner. It's so, I'm so grateful that it's like going to be my fallback, my second, like Mm -hmm. if I'm able to watch in the director's monitor something and know this is going to work in the edit or you like the the ability to problem solve in development in pre-production it informs mm-hmm. all of those processes and it just for myself knowing all the logistical aspects that go into that part that really that brings everything together um is so incredibly valuable yeah, yeah. and it's really helpful too cuz you can see those problems before they even appear you know when you are in pre-production and so I think that's just so valuable because um, I have to say, as somebody who also directs, I think it's so important to know those different departments um, because it just not only helps 
you creatively. It just helps you when you're on set and you're working with all these crew members on there. It's it's definitely something you need as a director. It helps know. people like me when I AD and mm-hmm. things like that. And having a director who is solid and on the ground and with me <laughs> and mm-hmm. not in, in in the clouds somewhere else completely is mm-hmm. uh, very helpful. It builds that like communication with mm-hmm. you and your crew. Yeah, so that's super important. And then speaking of that, like editing versus on set. So you did some on set work in between getting to where you are right now. How is it different from your lifestyle now as like more of an editor? I love being able to flop between the two because I definitely I get really quickly bored with doing one thing um, for a while. Like I love flopping back and forth because the on set stuff can be really physically grueling at times. You get back pain, foot pain. It's super fun, but these are like, you get body pains. And then you're, yes. you're young. You shouldn't be having I body know. pains. <laughs> it's like being being a PA just is... It makes costs, you older. Yeah, it gives you, it ages you 10 years. Yeah, it's just, just being on your feet all day and there's an energy. And whereas editing, it's obviously less like physically demanding, but... Wow, it's, I would say personally for me, it's more mentally demanding Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. one, I'm staring at a screen all day. I have to do, I have to really, really, I'm still working on implementing, like working for 90 minutes, break for 10 minutes, get up, do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I have to be a little bit more self-disciplined, but for, yeah, for me, it's way more mentally Mm -hmm. demanding. Yeah. Yeah. Have you gotten any jobs that come from set? I've found that the older generation get really mm-hmm. excited when you say, yeah, I can edit because oh, yeah. I think editing was so much more exclusive and now it's so much more readily available. So yeah. uh, when I was a director's assistant on the Dairy Queen commercial, the director, when she found out that I edit, then she threw me a couple hundred bucks to edit some Instagram videos mm. for her. Um and, and how did she find out you edited? Did you yeah. tell her that? How do you, what's your process? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. You definitely don't come out bat swinging or bat. whatever, sword swinging. Yeah. You, um, my first priority was I needed to show that I was a good, a really, really solid, reliable director's assistant mm-hmm. and then let them ask the question. I ended up working for the production designer who was the production designer for my favorite film and knowing my personality naturally I would bend over backwards I would do all kinds of things for her for much less money than I'm than I probably should but through this yeah. process like learning that actually it doesn't matter what they've done they also as much as I need to prove myself to them they also need to prove themselves to me as being someone that I can trust being someone that um, I would want to either continue working for or would want to work with in the future mm-hmm. and um, yeah seeing your value too I noticed that when I was new I didn't uh, really appreciate myself as someone who should you know actually look to see who is best for me in my career it's hard though when you're starting in the industry because you know that you don't have that much experience from a lot of people that you're working with. Yeah, like, you it's know, quite a tightrope. There's a entitlement culture within the industry, mm-hmm. but then there's also like the expletive part of the industry. So it's walking right. that tightrope about like not being taken advantage of. Right. 
So yeah, it's definitely Absolutely. a balance of staying humble, but also not being taken advantage of. Mm. That's very good advice. Um, going into the industry, though, pretty young, Gina, and you're doing all these fabulous things. Yeah. Um, you know, what is it like to be so young in the industry? Have you ever run into people who like haven't believed in you? And have you had to kind of fight your way through to yeah. like, make it these amazing jobs? So I know sexism has been a huge topic within the Hollywood mm-hmm. industry. Um, I will say I did have one kind of like close call, but I've been very fortunate to really like make it out pretty unscathed, un- like unscathed so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have experienced personally much more of like the ageism thing. A lot of it wasn't overt, but um, there is definitely this sense of like you need to earn your stripes first. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like I actually I get it because I know like when I get to that point. Like, I hope, you know, like 15 years from now, I'm looking back and going, (laughs) oh, I knew nothing, you know, like, but also there are like 45 year olds, 50 year olds who are editing. And I'm like, you're editing that and you've been, you've earned your stripes right that like you know what I mean? Like, yo, I'm a young buck and I'm. I promise Especially you. When it comes like to I am. The, I'm my oh, worst yeah. critic, but I also promise you. It's weird to say that I can do better than yeah. that. You know. No, I, no and that I has helped you build your confidence too, right? Yeah, I guess it did help me build my confidence in a sense of like when I first got here, I was like, oh man, gonna go run with the big dogs. I need. Yeah, it was just like this sense of like, oh my gosh, I. I felt like I was behind before I even got here. But then when I got here, I realized like, oh, shoot, I'm actually not that behind. Like, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah, I noticed that, too. When I came into the industry, I was so timid. So like, oh, my God, everyone knows what they're doing. And I'm like, everyone knows what they're doing. Sure. And yes, they've had more practice than me. But it doesn't mean I can't do it. It just means that I'm like, it's like, it's so funny. You find your footing very easily once you realize your own worth and you're like oh wow i'm much smarter than you (laughs) yeah and the biggest skill is is the like pretending it the um yeah basically bsing it because there there are people who just like just skate by by like bsing their whole way through and it shows in the final product um but i bs my confidence when there is a a problem that like with no filter i would be like you know anxiety attack or whatever yeah right but yeah when the problem is like this is a problem that needs to be solved right now and it's like okay yeah i can do that when in my mind it's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) just freak out in the hallway closet down the hallway for like a second and then come back and be like okay cool let's 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 fix the problem yeah that's what i do (laughs) and then like seeing that oh wait and then I did solve that problem, even though I didn't, I don't know anything about servers, mm-hmm. you know, like, right. Oh my gosh. That's what servers. really built my confidence is like, wow, I really can fake it. And yeah, it's so it's, that also really helped build. Yeah. That opened some doors, I bet. Yeah, for sure. What ways are you consistently getting work? You get work kind of back to back to back, at least for the last couple months, I mm-hmm. noticed, because we never saw you. You seem pretty busy. Well, and luckily, 
the last couple gigs that I've gotten have been longer term gigs. That's kind of like the benefit of specifically assistant editing, even over editing, is that they tend to be longer, like, term. For the Hulu document docuseries that I was on, I needed to be brought on first in order to prep everything for the editors. Because mm-hmm. the editors also cost more. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I had to prep, you know, the hardware, the software, the, um, our storage systems, had yeah. to make a game plan for archiving the media, had to have, you know, like deliverable presets. All of that prep work needed to be done before the editor comes in. And then once the editor is gone, all of that, like, archival work needs to be done. So specifically within assistant editing, um, I found that gigs tend to be longer. Yeah. Um, so with that, what's your like kind of what's your goal for the industry dream job? I know you want to be directing like specifically, but if you were to be an editor, what what would you and even director? What mm-hmm. like you know what genre are you aiming for? What kind of stories are you excited to tell? So my range, I think I kind of alluded to this. My range goes from stupid humor, like. Nacho Libre, Hot Rod, that kind of stuff, all the way to, like, gritty drama, like, Short Term 12. And I think right, especially right now, during, it just all depends on, like, the culture, right? And right now, the need for joy and laughter and, like, bringing people together is so important. I think even outside, even before COVID. Yeah. And obviously, right. you know, they say that the best comedies are the best dramas, you know? So having, like, meaningful, like, fun stuff. Um, we want to ask, what not to do? What do rookies do that annoys the heck out of you? Yeah, this Tell is us. the question we ask everyone. Uh, something that you've done that you're, like, embarrassed and you're like, oh, shit, I should save somebody the problem. I think something that nobody really talks about, but... You know, because you get advice like, it doesn't matter, ask the questions, even if it's dumb, like, ask the questions. And that is true to a certain extent. Um, You have to earn your way to the dumb questions, especially if you're, like, taking a good, you know, going from, you know, working with C players to B players or, like, B players to A players. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to, there has to be a certain amount of, like, confidence that those that your team members need to have in you. And so, to be just completely frank, you might be able to earn your way back up, but act like you know what you're doing, unless there's anything that has to do with safety. If you don't Mm -hmm. know how to set this certain thing up and it could be a safety issue, ask the question. You know, it's a weird, it's a it's a weird system that like it's different with every team it's different with every yeah. environment but know what the intelligent questions are you can ask a lot of intelligent questions and that'll make mm-hmm. you look really good and then once you you feel like you have an in with someone then you can be like i got a dumb question for you yeah you become and then it's endearing and you know it's Right, yeah. I watch a lot. So, like, I, even though you're supposed to make, like, a big, you know, pow introduction to yourself. Watching. I, mm-hmm. I just stand there for the first day, and I watch yes. everyone make all the mistakes, and then I come back day two, and I'm like, oh, this was your coffee order that I already <laughs> knew, and this person messed up, so. Observing is a big one, yeah. yeah that's yeah. true. 
No, that's really good advice, Gina, because uh, when you're new, you just kind of want to be heard. And sometimes it's about being heard in the right way. <laughs> yes, because first yeah. impression, I mean, they're going to hire, They, you know, you're going to see if they're going to hire you the next day. And right. also, so. yeah, just have a grace for yourself, too, because you might be asking a question that you think is an intelligent question, but like turns out like, oh, I just showed yeah. my green. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, maybe look yeah. it up on your iPhone. <laughs> it's definitely once again the tightrope of instill confidence in the people above you that they, that you're reliable that you're intelligent that you're a hard worker um but you're also learning everyone is learning and mm-hmm. nobody has to really like yeah no exactly i think it you definitely have a good temperament too like about it you know when you do make those mistakes it seems that you also move past them pretty you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yep. Uh, we're going to do something different next time. There was one time I was BAing and I had to move, like, the director's car. Um, turns out that the art team was setting out these, like, pallets that they had, like, constructed um, and with, like, a paper mache. And I ran over one of them. <sighs> Oh. And it was like, you guys, I earned my PA title today. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, I, you know, like, it was like one of those, like, oh, I feel so dumb. But I also had known that I had proven myself at that point as a, mm-hmm. like, intelligent, hard worker on the ball. That it's like, yeah, that was my human moment. You're like, yep, that was a fuck up, but. <laughs> yeah, but that's awesome. That's a really good example of how you can kind of make those mistakes and still live through them because you've made that first impression and because you've um, earned those stripes. Earned yeah. those stripes. Um, so we usually at the end of our podcast talk about how you can help and anything you've been doing in quarantine that could be helpful or useful during the pandemic. We usually bring up, you know, wearing masks and Feed America and poor yeah, here in LA. Volunteering, virtual or, you know, in person, but. Is there anything yeah. you would like to share? Do you have any tips and tricks, even mental health? Yeah. Um, I know for myself, I've been really trying to push extra towards the local, donate to the local food pantry. What? And so Feed America, is that that's the national, right? It is a national one. That's one I always bring up because it's, it's the easiest one to find. It's the easiest one to donate to. Um, and it's the easiest one to like find somewhere in your community you can help. Mm-hmm. Um, because... On a national level, because you can find a lot of things, but it's just a good starting point. And then from there, that's usually what I start off with. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think, for myself, like, being in the specific situation where I am, like, in- insanely, just so insanely grateful that finances is, like, the least of my worries right now. Local investment is my biggest focus right now. Yeah. Um, I want to invest in my, my local and, like, put aside... Um, resources for people within my life who are in your community yeah Yeah, just staying local i attend a church and they have grants that they give out to people who are having hard times so um and because of my personal situation um i have like finances is not a hard thing right now and so um like that's been but time is a little bit more like i've been swamped with time so that's one way that i've yeah Yeah, that helps a lot yeah it super helps um you know it's it's always good to start from if you want to start from a larger scale Mm -hmm. and work your way down but ideally you want to help your small community because that's what's going to that's where you're gonna get the most bang for your buck you know yeah 
Like, if you have the money, why not go to a local level where they are the ones struggling the most? Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. And church is such a community, too. And um, Do they have, like, uh, virtual, like, masses? or like? Yeah, yeah. How they've been doing, that? like, virtual services. Um, L.A. has a weird, weird church culture. But <laughs> they did find one that was really solid. And um, okay. they still, they advocate for, like... Uh, for affordable housing, they're like extremely active within the community and making that's, that's, that's um, really here. the homelessness situation. They're like very active in in um, the day. Sometimes you can't find those churches. You only find the churches that are very involved with themselves. And there is, you know, once again, it's a, a balance of like being, taking care of the people within, but also like looking outward. Um, but that's mm-hmm. how you know, like the health of a place of of a community is if they have the capacity, if they have a healthy, such a healthy internal that they're looking, they're yeah. all looking outward. Yeah. You know? yes. It's nice to have community during this time. It really Putting is. Putting aside time for yourself, like you were yeah. saying. Okay, everyone, thank you for joining in. Make sure you rate five stars on Apple Podcasts and give us a comment. Um, go find us on Spotify, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thank you, Gina, for joining us. Thanks, Gina. Thank you, everyone. And bye. bye. Yeah, that's great. No, that's wonderful. Yeah, um, that's a good jump into um, COVID nineteen stuff. So, because there has been a lot happening, Gina, yes. and I'm sure <laughs> you know. I'm sure, you know a lot because you're editing, and editing is kind of uh, thriving. I'm sure in this time. But before you tell us all about it, uh, let us know what. Do you even know what day? Like, what day did you start quarantining, and where you're at right now? Um, I probably don't have the day count, but right. I when. <laughs> I think Snapchat went into working from home, I think it was two weeks before the city shut down, but we were the only team. We were There was a skeleton crew of us that was still going into the office. That makes sense. So yeah. when we did get the, so I was still technically going into work all the way up until the city shut down. So yes. what have you been doing in quarantine? Yeah. Um, I've actually feel super lucky and blessed to be in the post-production world during this time. Like, Mm -hmm. work has been a a little much, actually. Um, Just last week, I had pulled, like, two almost all-nighters working. Uh, So it's been, we've been, like, slammed because everything that we have, you know, we're digging up either older footage to edit or... um, we are sending, you know, iPhone kits, and then the only work that we're doing within Snapchat is post-production. Um, so okay. I've actually been pretty slammed with work, and, like, it is a difficult mental balance because we live in a less than 300-square-foot apartment, and so the separation between work and personal, um, there is very little of it. So, um yeah. Even though it feels unwarranted, like, I'm so grateful that I'm not worrying about where my next meal is going to come from or anything, but there, there have been some days where it's been, like, a little harder. Right. Right. Yeah, I bet. Um, But it's good to hear that, I I guess, we've been kind of trying to predict, okay, well, the editing world must be getting some work. Yeah, because there's all these things being edited, and I'm like, good for them, first of all. And, like, second, like... Do they have any lives right now? Because they're like <laughs> editing like all day. How are you staying creative? I think the biggest thing for staying fresh is that work for 90 minutes, 
break for 10 minutes, work for 90 minutes, yeah. break for 10 minutes, because I didn't do this, that this past week. And I had two days where I felt like creativity was just flying out. And then the rest yeah. of the week, I was mentally done, checked out. So, so it's more of that separation of you and your work that helps you stay creative. Right. And also, like, I ordered one of those, like, paint the numbers things. Mm. You know, like, you paint need, like, a creative outlet from your creative... Yeah, I guess that's what I meant. I was like, what are you doing? Are you reading any books? Like, yeah, podcasting? Like anything. I'm reading so many books, you guys. Like, yes. yes. When I'm not editing, like, if, if, if I'm not having to edit the audio, if I'm, like, doing graphics or if I'm doing color, I'm like, yes, freedom, because then I just get to listen to, to audiobooks. Mm, and yeah. Yeah. That must be nice. That's so nice. Um, So you're able to work more easily as an editor in this crazy pandemic um do you know have you been hearing anything about you know the future of editing or are you guys kind of just taking it day by day do you have any friends editing at the moment or you know how are you seeing it being changed yeah how are you seeing this pandemic change your part of the industry <laughs> i don't i remember seeing a meme that was like editors before quarantine and, and editors after quarantine and it was the same picture i heard some like suspicions on i think especially for like the higher budget stuff having cam opping um being done via like motion um mm, yeah motion control rigs basically i think things will just need to move slower you know mm. and especially like the higher budget stuff where you need like five dudes to get down like a 10k light like yeah. right i know and we're such a fast industry i yeah. i wondered how it was going to be a slow people down it's going to change it's gonna move a lot but it's also <laughs> you know it's one of those things that's like the way that the industry works on like 12 to 18 hour days that's not sustainable for healthy people mm -hmm. like that's right. why you know that's why we already had unhealthy regulations. Like in Europe, they only a twelve day, a twelve hour day is like long, right? <laughs> max, right? Um, we want to ask what not to do. What do rookies do that annoys the heck out of you? Yeah, this Tell is us. the question we ask everyone. Uh, something that you've done that you're like embarrassed and you're like, oh shit, I should save somebody the problem. I think something that nobody really talks about, but. You know, because you get advice like, it doesn't matter, ask the questions, even if it's dumb, like, ask the questions. And that is true to a certain extent. Um, you have to earn your way to the dumb questions, yeah. especially if you're, like, taking a good, you know, going from, you know, working with C players to B players or, like, B players to A players. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to, there has to be a certain amount of, like, confidence that and those famous. that your team members need to have in you. And so, to be just completely frank, you might be able to earn your way back up. But especially in the beginning, like, you, there is a lot of, like, act like you know what you're doing unless there's anything that has to do with safety. If you don't know mm -hmm. how to set this certain thing up and it could be a safety issue, yeah. ask yeah. the question. You know, it's a weird, it's a, it's a weird system that like, it's different with every team. It's different with every yeah. environment, but know what the intelligent questions are. You can ask a lot of intelligent questions and that'll make mm -hmm. you look really good. And then once you 
you feel you have an in with someone, then you can be like, I got a dumb question for you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> I, then, I remember you know, being and that then way. It, you become, and then it's endearing, and, you know, it's... Right, yeah. I watch a lot. So, like, I, even though you're supposed to make, like, a big, you know, pow introduction to yourself... Watching. I, mm-hmm. I just stand there for the first day, and I watch yes. everyone make all the mistakes, and then I come back day two, and I'm like, oh, this was your coffee order that <laughs> I already knew, and this person messed up, so... Observing is a big one, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. true. No, that's really good advice, Gina, because uh, when you're new, you just kind of want to be heard, and sometimes it's about being heard in the right way. <laughs> yes, because first impression, I mean, they're going to hire, They, you know, you're going to see if they're going to hire you the next day. And right. also, so. yeah, just have a grace for yourself, too, because you might be asking a question that you think is an intelligent question, but, like, turns out, like, Oh, I just show yeah. my green. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe yeah. look it up on your iPhone. <laughs> it's definitely, once again, the tightrope of you want to instill confidence in the people above you, that, they, that you're reliable, that you're intelligent, that you're a hard worker. Um, but you're also learning. Everyone is learning. And you definitely have a good temperament, too, like about it. You know, when you do make those mistakes, it seems that you also move past them. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, we're going to do something different next time. There was one time I was PAing and I had to move like the director's car. Um, turns out that the art team was setting out these like pallets that they had like constructed, um, and with like a paper mache and I ran over one of them. (laughs) Oh, and it was like you guys. I earned my PA title today. <laughs> but I, 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 you know, like it was like one of those like, oh, I feel so dumb. But I also had known that I had proven myself at that point as a mm-hmm. like intelligent, hard worker on the ball. That it's like, yeah, that was my human moment. You're like, yep, that was a fuck up, but <laughs> yeah, but that's awesome. That's a really good example of how you can kind of make those mistakes and still live through them because you've made that first impression and because you've um, earned those stripes. Earned yeah. those stripes. Um, so we usually at the end of our podcast talk about how you can help and anything you've been doing in quarantine that could be helpful or useful during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as usual, we usually bring up, you know, wearing masks and Feed America and core yeah. here in LA. Volunteering, virtual, or, you know, in person. But is there anything yeah. you would like to share? Do you have any tips and tricks? Even mental health? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think, for myself, like, being in the specific situation where I am, like, in- insanely, just so insanely grateful that I'm, finances is, like, the least of my worries right now. That, like, mm-hmm. local investment um, is, like, my biggest focus right now. I attend a church, and so I've been, like, and they have um, grants that they give out to people who are having hard times. So, um, and because of my personal situation, um, I have, like, finances is not a hard thing right now. And so, um, like, that's been, but time is a little bit more, like, I've been swamped with time. So that's one way that I've been really trying to, like, I've been really trying to push extra, like, towards the local like um donate to the local food pantry yeah that helps a lot yeah it super helps if you want to start from a larger scale and work your way down but ideally you want to help your small community because that's what's going to that's where you're gonna get the most bang for your buck you know like if you have the money why not go to a local level where they are the ones struggling the most yeah 
Um, so that's awesome. And church is such a community too. And um, do they have like uh, virtual like masses or like? Yeah, yeah, How they've been doing that? like virtual services. Um, and there's still like um, I actually really like the church that it's been quite like I've been. L.A. has a weird, weird church culture, but we did find one that was really solid, and um, okay. they still, they advocate for, like, uh, for affordable housing. They're, like, extremely active within the community and making... That's, that's, that's um, really good. That's awesome. So, I think we are coming to the end of our podcast. We are. Do you know we did it? We made an episode. Gina, thank you for talking to us. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was so much fun. And yeah, thank you, Gina, for joining us. Make sure you rate five stars on Apple Podcasts and give us a comment. Um, Go find us on Spotify, all that fun stuff. Thank you, everyone. And Bye. bye.